Truth Espresso, Episode 74. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello and welcome to Truth Espresso. This is your host, Daniel Minnick. And this episode is going to be a very unusual episode. It really is a continuation of the topics that I've been covering in the last episodes, especially the topic of income inequality. That will be covered a little bit as we do these unusual episodes. But instead of lecturing you about politics or commenting on some goofy news article, I decided that I would start to wrap up our series of topics on politics and economics and income inequality rather with a story so gather around the campfire kids because we are about to tell the tale of the superblians now this is a story that i have made up in an effort to be able to communicate some of these political topics from a christian perspective and from a fictional perspective in a way that i hope will be able to resonate a little easier than listening to some boring lecture and because it is a science fiction story now everyone loves science fiction right everyone loves science fiction well, maybe most people love science fiction, but I really hope that you will enjoy The Tale of the Superblians. It was a day like any other. In other words, it was an ordinary day. Wait, just exactly what is an ordinary day? I mean, come on, no two days are exactly alike. And who gets to define what falls within the window of an ordinary day? Okay, fine. We'll just stick with the ambiguous concept of an ordinary day. On this ordinary day, in the open fields of a small town in the state of Kansas, where everything is extraordinarily ordinary, the most ordinariest of ordinary guys saw something that wasn't ordinary. Well, what extraordinary thing does the most ordinary guy usually see in the open fields of the American Midwest? If you said a UFO, you would be correct. I guess that makes this extraordinary thing not so extraordinary after all. What in tarnation is that thing? muttered Jake, our ordinary guy. You see, Jake, being a ranch hand, an ordinary guy, had never seen anything like it. But he had heard of other such sightings. Being a reasonable guy, Jake figured there must be a reasonable explanation. His eyes surely were deceiving him. 
After 10 solid seconds of witnessing a massive rotating technological marvel hovering about 200 feet above the ground and blaring various lights across the sky, Jake peered into the sky as the UFO warped out of sight. Jake massaged his eyes a bit with his knuckles and glared a second time, to no avail. The mysterious craft was gone as if it had never been. Jake reacted as any responsible Midwestern American would. He stood erect, stiff as a board, trembling and with eyes as wide as saucers. Yes, after two minutes of a loosened jaw trance, Jake finally galloped to his car and made a beeline for the police station. He knew that his story would seem far-fetched. Who would believe him? He was the only one visible in that vast open field in rural Kansas to see this amazing spectacle, of course. Unfortunately, Jake was beyond his opportunity to be on Unsolved Mysteries. Now, if you don't remember or know what Unsolved Mysteries is, you're too young. (laughs) When Jake entered the police station, he tried to remain calm. But, for some reason, the female officer at the desk could read his eyes. It was as if she knew exactly why he was there. "'May I help you, sir?' the uniformed woman asked. She seemed ready to respond to the answer. "'Uh,' Jake gasped, struggling to fish for his mental dictionary as the situation robbed him of any semblance of intelligent thought. "'I... I'm not sure what to say, because I don't know how you will take this. I don't know how to take this either. Let me guess, the officer interrupted, hoping her foresighted sympathy would calm his nerves. You saw something strange hovering in the sky. Am I in the right ballpark? Uh, yes, Jake blurted as he huffed a sigh of relief. How did you know that? Did you see it too? Oh, thank goodness, I'm not going mad. No, I didn't, the woman interrupted while maintaining composure. Oh, Jake squeaked as he began to lose hope. Then I could just be a basket case? Here, beckoned the female officer as she began to lead Jake near a series of office doors. Into one half-opened office doorway, she shouted, Matt, another customer for you. As Jake trembled, not understanding what was about to happen, the woman patted his shoulder and retorted, Don't worry, everything's fine, really, you will see. Those rather ambiguous statements did very little to comfort Jake's uneasiness. Soon, a heavy-set man donning a goatee and another blue uniform inched out the office door. All seemed reasonable as the officer grimaced. Howdy, sir. The name's Matt. Nice to meet you. Officer Matt extended his hand for the friendly gesture. Jake reached to shake his hand and replied, I'm Jake. Am I in any kind of trouble? The jolly policeman chuckled almost as if he were St. Nick himself. Oh, my goodness, no. Let me show you something. Officer Matt 
lured Jake into his office to show him a montage on his wall. Jake sighed as he encountered an array of articles and blurry photos of what appeared to be UFO sightings. You are not crazy, if that's what you're thinking, reassured the officer. You are one of the few, the proud, the privileged. Jake scowled as his fingers twiddled across the display. He swallowed a bit of relief, then suspected that he merely found another member of the crazy club. I'm not suggesting, counseled Officer Matt, that our little town is being inspected by extraterrestrials. There are plenty of good explanations for what you saw and what these people saw. Most likely, it was some secret government craft looking for an open field, just like the one you were in nearby, to test equipment. Jake sighed and stared at Officer Matt like a confused puppy. I wouldn't worry about it, Jake, said Matt, trying to pep-talk the poor soul. We live in an area that is ripe for these kinds of sightings. The middle American breadbasket is the stuff that sci-fi movies are made of. We just learn to live with it. Besides, these things add a little excitement to our otherwise drab lives, wouldn't you agree? Jake smirked and chortled. Yeah, I'm sure you are right. At least I know I'm in good company. Officer Matt guided Jake back to the lobby. We're good, Marsha said Matt to the woman at the desk as he winked. Officer Marcia forwarded the sentiment to Jake. You good? Yes, I think so, squeaked Jake, entranced in the moment. Unbeknownst to Jake and the overconfident police, the moment had just begun. The aging television anchored to the right corner, adjoining the entrance to the station, blared the local news station around the clock. The hourly weather report with the beloved Dolly Standish abruptly cut short to an anchor attempting to maintain his composure. We interrupt your regularly scheduled program for this breaking news report. An unidentified craft has landed about a quarter mile from City Hall. About a dozen humanoid creatures exited the craft about five minutes ago. Police are being dispatched for safety. The president is being informed and armed forces are on their way. As you can see from this distance, the unidentified creatures have a bluish skin and oversized craniums. They seem to be an average of 9 to 10 feet tall. So far, everything else about them compares to the features of our species. No hostile activity has occurred. We will be monitoring this groundbreaking situation until we have a favorable resolution. At this time, the entire police force in the station gathered to glare helplessly at the screen. Jake and Officer Matt slowly turned their speechless glares toward each other. Do you think, gulped the officer, this is what you saw? All Jake could do in reply was shrug his shoulders and grin sheepishly. It seems that what may be the leader of the group is about to try to communicate, declared the news anchor. People of this planet, boomed the tallest blue creature. His voice could pierce the soul with its depth and amplitude. We mean no harm. We understand that you are startled. We sincerely apologize for that. 
Jake, attempting to lighten the situation, muttered, Why do aliens always speak English? The authoritative blue figure continued to proclaim, We have learned about your languages and your cultures within the past year around your son. We believe we have much to offer your economy. We do not seek to rule or hold any such office. Jake and Officer Matt glared at each other. Sounds like a politician if I ever heard one, sneered Jake, hiding his trembling. Yeah, exactly, muttered his equally terrified companion. To show that we mean no ill to our intergalactic friends here on planet Earth, the blue visitor insisted, we offer a sample of our technology. Officer Mike whispered, In sci-fi movies, the aliens are always more advanced than we are. Jake nodded, wide-eyed, to anticipate what they were about to see on the screen in that humble police station. As you can witness on the screen, the alien began as he held up a square piece of technology in his right hand and faced it toward his audience of news reporters, police, and gathering armed forces with their weapons aimed at him. The alien remained poised, assured that neither side of this encounter would start a conflict. The mysterious micro-sized device in the blue creature's hand instantly projected multiple holographic screens in mid-air to accommodate different viewing angles. We extracted a sample of seeds from a flowering specimen in a nearby open field. The audience and all viewers watching this worldwide news gazed helplessly at live footage of a sunflower with some of its seeds removed from the center. These are the seeds from this plant right here in my hand. The speaker presented his left hand and opened it, showing the same seeds. All the holographic screens instantly displayed live footage of his open hand with the seeds. Now, if you will kindly observe, my assistant Zella will demonstrate our sample technology. As Zella, a fellow blue creature a few inches shorter and apparently female, approached to grab the seeds, the leader quipped, By the way, if you were all wondering, the holographs were not the technology I was talking about, but let that count as another sample. Cautious chuckles erupted for a moment as the spectators eased their guard a bit. And now, a demonstration. The blue leader declared as he instructed Zella to plant the seeds in a large pot. As you can see, my assistant Zella has begun the arduous task of planting this biotanical seed. I believe that this is that of a sunflower, as you call it. Am I correct? The news reporter began to nod, soon followed by others as they all assessed their standing to disagree. Good, chuckled the towering leader determined to magnify his innocuous presence. As you can see, we have done our homework. We have no such plant life form on our planet. I admit that I find Earth's specimen of the sunflower quite fascinating. Jake whispered to his new officer friend, Does this mean they're going to take away all of our sunflowers? I guess if that's all they want, it's not too bad of an invasion, right? Officer Matt chuckled quietly through his teeth. The poised invader jovially commanded, Now then, Zella, demonstrate. 
Zella grasped a small gun-like device from her waist belt and aimed it at the flower pot. The armed human arsenal immediately reacted and raised their weapons and pointed them at Zella. The leader placed his palm towards Zella to assure her that no danger would take place. He continued to show no hostility or offense from human reactions. The alien commander smiled as he waited for his armed opponents to calm. After fifteen seconds of stand-down, the alien quipped, I promise you this is for your benefit. You can continue to react fearfully and lose your only chance to marvel. Or you can share with us this moment of mutual triumph, your choice. After another 15 seconds, the commanding officer of the human armed forces shifted his stare from the blue creature to his right, then to his left. He nodded to both sides to lower their firearms. Each officer scowled as he or she, one by one, lowered a gun. The alien slightly increased his smile. Somehow, peace spread across the spectators ever so slightly. You have chosen wisely, affirmed the alien superior. Now, behold, a foretaste of your destiny. Zella glared for a split second at the helpless humans, then mashed a button on the device. A bright, multicolored series of wavelengths coursed to the pot. The female alien released the button and faced the leader to await any further commands. Now, if you will grant us patience, the leader directed, within seconds you will witness a new wonder of modern technology. Officer Mike whispered to his new civilian friend, Wow, did we lock out the biggest news of the millennium. An undeniable close encounter of the fourth kind, and all they want from us are sunflowers. Jake snickered while his eyes remained glued to the office screen. The blue sovereign lectured, The soil hides what transpires at the moment. The seed inches under the surface is now germinating. Another five seconds will reveal all. On cue, a sprout, as if by proper sunlight, water, and full hibernation, stretched and snaked upward from the surface of the pot. The spectacle were as if a camera had filmed the growth of a sunflower through the whole growing season and sped it up. It was beautiful to behold. Within the span of one minute, the sprout climbed to full height and budded, the petals emerged from their green, pre-ripened condition and animated into full bloom. Before all viewers across the globe stood a mature sunflower that began as a seed a mere minute ago. The leader grinned to approve the awestruck spectators as they mumbled among themselves. The trembling news reporter raised his hand, hoping the alien understood the gesture. The blue wonder pointed his direction and affirmed, Yes, sir. You have a question, no doubt. Yes, sir. Um, your majesty, uh, the anchor gulped. The blue leader's grin enlarged as he raised his palm to quell the man's stumbling. My name is Zorg. No need for formalities. And to answer the question you are about to ask, yes, our rapid biogenetic technology affects more plant life than sunflowers. The alien clasped his hands to begin another eager lecture. The device that Zella wields analyzes the molecular compounds of the plant and calculates its biogenetic needs. 
It then emits a combination of waves and particles that translate internally into the formula not only for the amount of sunlight, water, and nutrients the plant needs to mature, but also the composition that it needs to grow within the span that you just witnessed. You may now wonder if this engineered sunflower is equal to its slower peers. I assure you that it is very much like any other of its kind that have had months or years to grow. The blue alien, now known as Zorg, paced to the right as he delivered his good news. To answer your next question, yes, this really does mean the end to world hunger. Zorg paused to let the spectators gather their thoughts and mutter among themselves. Yet, knowing their next question, he interjected, I'm sure your next thoughts are of reciprocation. The answer is no. We demand no payment. The news anchor asked, Zorg, sir, our president is on his way. He is our leader and can make proper negotiations with you. Great, approved Zorg with his hands clasped. I will explain our desires more fully when he arrives but let me put your minds at ease until then. We, the Superblians of the planet Superblia, as we have roughly translated its name into your language, have no intention to subjugate or rule over you or anyone else on this planet. We are a peaceful race who have built up our society, our culture, and our technology through cooperation, integrity, and harmony. We know nothing of violence on our planet, which has afforded us our rapid productivity. Jake, Officer Matt, and Officer Marsha all scowled at each other and shrugged. We are on a mission, continued the friendly Superblian, to improve the livelihoods of all planets inhabited by thoughtful, sentient beings. We recognize that not all races are blessed with a history such as ours. This demonstration is but a token of what we will offer in exchange simply for this. We wish only for a pilot sample of Superblians to live among the humanity of Earth. We will integrate our services in your society and in your economy. We will engage gleefully in free exchange with your people. We do not wish a separate colony on Earth. We desire to be your next-door neighbors, to build with you, to eat with you, to celebrate with you, and to share with you. We will facilitate our exchanges using whatever forms of currency you desire. We want our goods and services to be valued freely according to your price system. We wish to celebrate your new life as you celebrate ours. For all intents and purposes, we will be humans among you but we will not suppress the fruits of our labor any more than we wish you to suppress yours. Together, let's end hunger on earth and build a better planet. And with these words, communications erupted. The Superblians generously extended their hands to embrace those of the bedazzled humans whose gathering in that middle American town continued to swell. Fear and hostility disappeared as the humans and Superblians laughed together and shared their experiences and knowledge. The President arrived as fast as Air Force One could safely land him, taxi him, and escort him through the massive crowds. 
other world leaders soon followed. The wit and candor of the blue aliens enchanted any human who got to know them. Their gentle strength and intellect tranquilized the concerns of the biggest and most unusual event in recorded history. The Superblians introduced other amazing technologies to improve living conditions for all humanity. As Zorg had promised, world hunger quickly became a thing of the past within one year. As no one lacked for food, they focused their energies elsewhere. In delightful recipes, in recreational facilities, in tourism, in building houses that only the wealthy could afford but one year ago. The poorest humans could buy their own amazing living accommodations after only six months of work. The need for mortgages began to fade away. Sure, hardship and death still existed and remained, but compared to a year ago, these realities were much more tame. The average human lifespan increased by an amazing 20 years. Not only was the measure of poverty very much diminished, but the quality of food increased. Diets were also healthier. Avenues for exercise were much more effective as well as leisurely. More people than ever before found that the purchasing power of their earnings allowed them to save more and retire early. Increased technology in health care from the Superblians improved the standard of living of most people with handicaps and serious medical conditions. Some handicaps could be cured while others could be aided with supplemental devices to make a normal life as approachable as possible. Near the end of a year since the Superblians arrived, many on their deathbeds could depart in comfort and style. One strange fact that the humans discovered after getting to know the Superblians is that they held to strong views of both faith and freedom. They always believed in one true God and they quickly converted to Christianity after studying the societies and history of Earth. Hey, this is my story. Just deal with it. <laughs> the Superblians strongly practiced charity, but they rejected human forms of government that enforced monopolies. They explained that this was coercion and morally inferior. They never pushed to set up a central bank or a central healthcare system. Yet, the technology they introduced to Earth seemed to work wonders with healthcare needs. The Superblians believed in free speech. They held their strong opinions, but believed that freedom would manifest truth. Cordial conversations and debates, rather than top-down propaganda control, were the way to reveal absolute truth. Many humans didn't know how to handle these ideas in the face of clear prosperity. For now, the situation was simply a paradox in the minds of many. I would like to say, and they all lived happily ever after. But we all know that's for fairy tales, not science fiction. This tale of the Superblians has not yet ended. This is part one. In the next part, we will see how the humans begin to understand their relationship with the Superblians. We will see how the so-called experts and the politicians and the economists handle all the newfound prosperity. But for now, 
At the end of part one of this silly story, consider this passage of scripture apropos. Psalm chapter 35, verses 26 through 28 says, Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. And so this passage is applicable for part one, but it will also be applicable for part two, as we see what transpires after one year of life with the Superblians. So, if the tale of the Superblians has been entertaining thus far, well, stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso, because you really do not want to miss the exciting part two of the tale of the Superblians. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 